This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend, my partner in sports radio, my week one opponent in fantasy football, Barnabas Piper. Uh, Pipe, good to, you mean, good to be back. You mean week week one, Victor? Yeah, dude, week one. I don't put a lot of stock in week one, so like that one didn't it didn't hurt. Um, they they will start to hurt worse as the weeks go by. Week one, I'm I'm kind of like Belichick. I treat the first few weeks of fantasy kind of like preseason, right? Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not too worried, not too concerned. Just getting to know my guys, getting to know the clubhouse, you know. Um, I, yeah, I still always, like it's my always team. A lear- it's always a learning experience. Yeah, you don't you don't start to hate your team until like week three. Well, dude, certain guys do though. Like certain guys after week one, they're like putting everybody on the trade block and proposing trades and being crazy. But I'm just like, nah, we gotta give this gotta give this thing a little bit of time to play out. Um, although, yeah, I mean there there were some there were some surprises, some disappointments in week one. I, I want to start just like big picture. And by the way, um, you should watch football, think about fantasy football, all while drinking a cup of Red Bud City coffee, Piper. Um, They are our coffee sponsor. They are our partner in the coffee business, and uh, it's great to be coffee moguls. I I was reminded of that the other morning when uh, when I saw some money appear in my my account from our uh, our lucrative Red Bud City Coffee Roasters sponsorship. So, Pipe, tell them where they can get. the the greatest coffee known to man, and then we'll move on. Yes, the greatest coffee known to man can be found at redbudcoffee.com. Uh, so you can soundbite that. You can share it everywhere. The best coffee known to man is at redbudcoffee.com. They have a variety of roasts. They even have they even have like cool little travel mugs you can get with a cool logo that looks almost like a marijuana leaf, but not quite. Um, I noticed that. Not that I know what that looks like if my employer's listening. But, uh, but yeah, I, I it did, looked like a, a mysterious, a mysterious leaf that you've also seen in other apparel worn by you know skaters and stuff. <laughs> um, exactly. And if you use the code Happy Rant at checkout, you get a ten percent discount off of your entire purchase. So if you are buying, you could buy huge bags of coffee to use for your church, for example. If your church is meeting in person, you can buy small bags for personal use. Code Happy Rant gets you ten percent off. Go to RedbudCoffee.com. Use the code. Get your coffee. Get your discount. It will make you happy. It sure will, Pipe. And speaking of things that make you happy, I was just so happy that NFL football was back. Um, it, it, it was a happiness that like I'd almost forgotten what it felt like. And I'm not a super fan. I'm not like a super fan of a team or anything, but I just love having fresh, original football in my life. I loved having it to look forward to after church. Um, it was just nice to have it back. Did you enjoy the viewing experience, which I know was a little bit different this year for – a variety of reasons. Um, first of all, like how much did you enjoy it? Was it different from past years? How did you feel about it? Um, it wasn't massively different. It, I, cause I feel like the fans are much less involved in a football game, you know, when you're watching. So an empty stadium for a football game doesn't affect the viewing experience much. Uh, it does right. from a noise standpoint, you know, like at the intense parts of the game, but mm-hmm. But not from a like how the game works, uh, which which is nice because yeah. like I I have not enjoyed watching the NBA playoffs for no 
for two reasons. One, those are supposed yeah. to happen in April and May and June, and so they're totally out of whack for me. I have not gotten into the rhythm yeah. at all. But also, like, it yeah. just it feels like watching intense practices in terms of the vibe, even though I know they're games that matter. So no, the football yeah. it it just felt it felt so at home. You know, it's like it is yeah. the fall. There are games. I loved that we skipped the preseason. I hate the yeah. preseason. So I like one or two weeks of preseason would be fine. But four weeks yeah. of preseason always drags me down. So I, I, I loved that that just disappeared and we jumped straight into like games that matter. This is exciting. It is, man. It's really fun. It's really exciting. I'm with you on the NBA. I've I've struggled mightily to care about that or watch any of it. Uh, also for a variety of reasons. One of which was... It just feels like summer league because they're in a small gym. Um, I think they they would have been better served even if they were going to do the bubble to like play it in a big arena. You know, I think there's something about context that matters with these things. And yeah, I'm with you. Like the lack of fans in week one, it didn't bother me at all. It didn't feel different. It didn't feel weird. Um, I think the NFL, comparative to some of the other leagues, has done a good job with the fake crowd noise. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they basically got the fake crowd noise piece right, um, and yeah, all in all, it was a it was a really good product, man. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I've 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 been pleasantly surprised by it. And I think it, so. It's weird. Help me understand this. Week one, it was like no fans, no fans anywhere. But week two, I'm reading like a lot of these buildings are going to let in a pretty good number of fans. So I'm I'm no doctor pipe but like was COVID that much more serious a week ago yeah yeah no I know and and that's going to be that's going to be full disclosure for our listeners I just like to be transparent that way but uh what's the deal man like why was it imperative that we have no fans in week one but but we're good with like 15,000 in the building on week two because nobody knows it because nobody knows anything about anything I think uh I think that that's kind of the answer I I have no idea how COVID works. I don't think anybody else no. does either. There are a lot of people who are very certain that if you don't wear a mask, everyone will die. There's a lot of people who are very certain that wearing a mask does absolutely nothing. And yeah. if everybody's certain about opposite things, I don't think anyone knows anything. I'm not certain of anything. It feels like the emergent church all over again. Except in this scenario, I'm like Rob Bell. Except in this case, more. there will be 15,000 people there instead of 12 hipsters. Yeah, <laughs> That's true. That's so true. Dude, do you feel like, and this is a slight digression, but I think it's related on this level. And it's related to the Big Ten coming back too, which is a, an interesting news item we might want to you know, dip into. But do you feel like now more than any other time in human history, like PR just runs the world? You know what I mean? Because I, I think in, a, in a, a sweeping act of PR, like paranoia, the Big Ten shut their season down, you know, after the Mac and a few other conferences had shut down and now they're like, Oh my gosh, there's games on TV and we're not a part of it. You know, let's hurry up and finagle a way to open it back up. I don't know. I I just, and maybe I notice it more because I'm an adult and I'm in journalism or whatever, but I I just kind of feel like PR is running everything and it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's, it is, but it's also like, PR plus reverse psychology PR because you get the mm. big 10 that caves like they made a decision based yeah. on, you know, whatever data they had and conscience and whatever. And then they they, they caved to mm-hmm. the, the the public demands. But then you get like mm. entire 
say, presidential campaigns, for example, that are run on like negative PR, like they thrive on, yeah. on being hated. I'm like, well, that's not yeah. standard PR. That's like the opposite of standard PR. And yet – and so it, yeah. it, it really does feel like that the, the goal is to not just appease the masses but get a mass reaction. Like if you are getting a mass yeah. reaction, you are doing well, period. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah it's I, fascinating. It feels, uh, it feels unintelligent at best. Well, yeah. And I, and I feel like it's in a sense antithetical to sports because I mean, sports and PR have always had a, a symbiotic relationship. Obviously there's, there, there have been PR officers in sports since the beginning of time probably, but you know, I, I always had the feeling that sports was somewhat, um, what's the word? I, I guess modern in that there were always boundaries. There was always a winner and a loser. It, it always felt very concrete in a world of like PR squishiness. But right. now I feel like the PR creepiness has, has just infringed on my thing in a way that I'm not excited about. And, um, you know, I'm not outraged about it. I'm not going to like stomp off in a huff and stop watching the NFL like some people are doing, I guess. But yeah, the, um, the plus side of sports is that you can kind of mute that other stuff. So like we sure. talked, we talked about this when, when, uh, you know, the Colin Kaepernick, uh, controversy was kind of at its peak. And, you know, I think mm -hmm. you cared less than I did about the meaning of that. You were just kind of like, it's sure. football. Can we just talk about football? But bottom line, yeah. by the end of it, I was just like, I, I don't care how players protest. Right. I, I think they should have the right to, but whatever. Like if they just yeah. skipped all of the pregame stuff and like you turn on the TV and they're like, and here's the opening kickoff, I would be happier. Like let's skip all of the conversation about anything and get to like kickoff and plays and whatever. Yeah. I don't even like TV analysis for the most part because it's usually totally. the dumbest of the analysis. And so yeah. I'm pretty content. And if the And if the announcers get hung up on something, I just mute the TV. Like the game yeah. is the which, game is still great without them talking, which is kind of how it used to work. Like in the eighties, you would flip on CBS Sports at you know one oh three after you got back from church, and it was like the Budweiser kickoff you know graphic was up there, and and you were playing football. But uh, but yeah, now there's just a a kind of mind numbing amount of preamble to every game, which I think renders it all meaningless. You know, if you're doing twenty minutes of pregame for like browns bengals on a thursday night two garbage teams and a garbage time slot like what are we even doing and um yeah it's just a lot but that said like i have i've thoroughly enjoyed the football i've thoroughly enjoyed watching certain people um i want to i want to do one more take on the on the presentation side of it though did you watch let's see it was it was giants somebody so it was the early monday night game on monday like they always do the two monday night games in week one yeah um the early Monday night game, it was Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet in the booth. Uh-huh. And I thought it was incredible, dude. Not necessarily because the quality of the analysis was incredible, but just because I'm a firm believer that, like, Monday night football should sound a certain way. And Fowler and Herbstreet made it sound that way for me. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Does yes. that Does that take, like, hit home at all for you? Yeah, it's uh I I didn't love their analysis, but again, right. I don't watch sports for the quality of what is said as much as the um 
what's kind of the ambiance created. created. Yeah, the yeah, environment yeah, yeah, yeah. of the yeah. announcer, which is where like Monday Night yep. Football the last several years has has just been garbage. garbage. It's just dog yep. crap uh, because yeah. it doesn't create any, any environment. Like yeah. it, it, it's, it's so – like when you watch Aikman and Buck announce football games, I don't like Joe Buck as, an, as a football announcer. I really like him as a baseball announcer. But it right. sounds right. Like it's the right it does, thing. Dude. Yeah. yeah. It so is I, the right thing. I watched them last night and I thought the same thing. Like garbage game, garbage time slot, but Aikman and Buck made it sound good. And that that mattered to me. Um yeah, I don't know if there's a way to move like Herbie and, and Fowler into the like the prime Monday night slot moving forward, but ESPN should think about it. Um you know, it just it creates a certain ambiance that you like. Speaking of that Giants game, well, like to pivot quick, more. Quick comment: into, You know what ESPN yeah. is going to do, though? They're going to be like, "Oh, you know how we should solve this problem? Let's get eleven guys in uh, totally in shirt that. sleeves and two short ties lined up across right. something and try to get them all to make comments on every <laughs> play." Yeah, dude, the booth is going to be so crowded. It's going to be more crowded than like. An NFL sideline by the time it's all said and done at ESPN, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's a strange deal. I do wonder. So if, if the moment that we're in is sort of uh, the the gluttony of TV production, I do wonder if the pendulum is going to swing back toward minimalism at some point, and if people are just going to realize it's easier, it's better, it's more deliverable to do a broadcast that isn't choked with 25 minutes of pregame and like 16 people in the booth. You know what I mean? Well, I, you have to imagine that whoever's, you know, the, the, the CFO for these companies is looking at this and going, wait, we're paying two guys and, you know, 30% fewer camera people and right. the sideline announcer. I mean, th that person still gets paid, but they're not like running around the sidelines with multiple camera guys. There's not, you know, we don't have Tony <laughs> right. Siragusa in the end zone saying stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, mm -hmm. he's like, wow, we just saved like $1.3 million. We should, yeah. we should yeah. not go back to the other thing. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. And you know, their ratings are going to be through the roof because everybody's like, I, I just want football. Please just show me exactly. football. I know, man. I know. And, and even that comment, even a comment like that is like politically charged and hot takey in 2020. <laughs> but I, I do think there are, there are people... There are people out there who would enjoy just watching a game for a game. Uh, oh, yeah. I suppose I, these days if you say, I just want football, somebody's going to – there's going to be two oh, responses. Dude, yeah. One is, don't you care about concussions? And the answer is, frankly, no, not really. Uh, and the Maybe. other is, there are people dying of COVID. How can you think about football? And the answer is, because people <laughs> are dying of COVID, we occasionally need to think about other things. It's fun it is, to think about football. It is a yeah. it is a absolute relief to take a few hours and just enjoy ourselves. So no, I feel no guilt, and you can take your piety and self righteousness to a different podcast. There it is, dude. There it is. That's just mitigated against all the negative comments that we were going to get uh, on that level. On on that game though, that same game, and I wish I could remember who the Giants were playing in it. Do you remember? It's only been like. One week ago, maybe I've had too many concussions. But uh, anyway, yeah, they were playing they got somebody. Stomped by somebody. Uh, yeah, who the heck was it, man? I guess was we it, can. Oh, was it the? Steelers? Yeah, we can look in our studios. Was yeah, it, it was the Steelers. Yeah, it it was Giant Steelers, and I I had two, actually three. I have three takeaways from that game. Um, one is that 
ESPN seemed to think that Jason Garrett was the Giants head coach for all of the like cutaway shots and commentary that they had about Jason Garrett, which which begged the question to me, has there ever been a more mediocre coordinator that's gotten more attention during a broadcast than Jason Garrett? Um it was it was stunning to me how how much they focused on him. I feel like there was another game in recent years where they picked that as a narrative and it came back and it was it was a mediocre coordinator. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember who it, it was. It might have been though. like an Adam Gaze thing, probably. Yeah, maybe, but like he's been the head coach, and I mean Garrett, it was really odd. Like you would not have known yeah. that a he's not the head coach, and b he's not a good coach. Right, right, yeah, it was kind of amazing. Dude, my second hot take from that game, I don't think Saquon Barkley is is good. Um, I think he is an astonishing athlete. I think he was very good in college. Uh, I don't think he's good in the NFL. Um, and I'm not sure he's going to be good. I'm not sure he's ever going to be Ezekiel Elliott or have even like a, a Todd Gurley type of season when Todd Gurley's healthy. Um I don't, I don't have think a, he's going to impact the game that much. I have a question before I decide if I agree or disagree with you. I mean, yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. inclination is to disagree, but yeah. Uh, so, like for example, quarterbacks are so dependent when they come into yeah. the league on who they land with. Has to be the sure. right coach, the right system. So, like Sam Darnold might never be good because yeah. he landed with Adam Gase, who is just a putrid coach. He's so bad. And their roster is a disaster. Yeah. I and, mean, the Jets are a semi-pro – they're a semi-pro team, yeah. save for a couple of guys. And and yeah. Sam Darnold, you know, if he had landed on, like, the Chargers, played behind Phillip Rivers for a year or whatever, might might be an all-pro this or, year or something. Who knows? Or the Rams, if he yeah. had taken on, like, the Jared Goff role. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, so uh, – that that kind of thing. So how much is that true yeah. for running backs? And second question, if a running back has played behind just a horrendous offensive line, which, which Saquon Barkley has for his first couple of years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and he's he's put up pretty ridiculous numbers his first couple of years. So there's a yeah. there's an argument for him being good, if not maybe not elite yeah. all time, but like very good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If, if a running back runs behind a terrible offensive line. How much does that affect his future play? You know, like he just begins to have bad yeah. running habits or he can't read blocks because he's never seen a block. Those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it, man. And I have I have some comments on that. And then I have a couple of comments on just Barkley, the player. Um, my My comments to your questions are, okay, so from 1975 to 19, probably 83, Walter Payton played behind dreadful offensive lines, um, just kind of famously bad lines. And he was still a great player who got numbers and impacted the game in, in as much as if you would watch an old bear game, you would go, this guy's their whole team and he's keeping them in it. Whereas Barkley has put up numbers, but they're the kind of numbers that like rarely do you watch a Giants game and go, Oh my gosh, that guy is like single-handedly keeping them in this. Barkley will like lose yards on four carries and then rip off like a 26-yard gain and at the, at the end of the day his numbers look good, but he didn't impact the game. To me, you know, his offensive line is middling, right? They're not disastrous. They They're were the they were last year. Last year they were terrible. Yeah. They strengthened it some this year between the draft and I think a couple signings. They did, but they even last year they had 
Will Hernandez, who's supposedly a great run blocker. They traded for Kevin Zeitler, who's capable. I thought he was um, injured. I thought they traded for him and then he got hurt. But yes, he that was. May have happened. He was that supposed to be like a, a solid, a solid guard, particularly as a run blocker. Yeah. To me, Barkley is a he's a big guy who plays like a little guy, and he's non-existent in pass protection. So either you can't have him on the field on third down, or if you have him on the field, he's not blocking. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just think he's one of those guys that like, and I'm trying to think of a great comp for him in this, but you, you might get to the end of his career and look at his numbers and go, oh yeah, he was good. But if you're a Giants fan or you watch a lot of Giants games, you're not sort of enamored with Saquon Barkley at the end. You know what I'm saying? Is he like Fred Taylor? Maybe. Honestly, dude, he, here's a comp that's not perfect, but it's it's getting there. Christian Okoye. You know, we look back on Christian Okoye, and I think in our in our memories, he's better than he actually was. Because he was similar in that he was a he was a a very big guy who danced a lot, hesitated in the hole, ran like a little guy, didn't always see where to go, but you know, in our memories, we remember him running over Steve Atwater and we remember yeah. him like doing three or four astonishing things. And we we have fonder like recollections of him than than we're actually well, there. And I think that's the thing. Like you mentioned Walter Payton and I, you know, so if I was going to name three running backs off the top of my head who just like as sheer runners stand out in my mind, Payton, Barry yeah. Sanders, Adrian Peterson. Um, there are other elite running backs, but those three come to mind is just like, you're going to hand them the ball and see what happens. Barry Sanders, we removed from this argument because he, he was a standalone stylistically. And in, in terms of talent, he did run behind terrible offensive lines, but he, nobody made guys miss like Sanders and he wasn't, he was a freaky outlier. Yeah. You know, so we alien, we just remove him because there will never be another one as far as, I mean, stylistically, it just seems impossible. The thing that Walter Payton and Adrian Peterson had in common was like they're just like frothing at the mouth animals competitively. Right. Angry runners. Yes. Yeah. Now Peyton yeah. Peyton was a, a smoother runner, like just his mm-hmm. balance, his ability to make people miss, the way that he he would whereas Peterson was like, I, I would like to destroy your rib cage on my way to the end zone kind of thing a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Barkley doesn't have that. And the thing is, neither yeah. does just about anybody. Like, Marshawn Lynch was the last person who kind of had that. If Saquon yeah. Barkley ran like Marshawn Lynch, he he would be the best running back in the NFL because he's faster, he's totally. quicker. His I mean, his athleticism is insane. But yeah. he, so here's another, here's another player comp for him yeah. uh, that might hit a little close to home for Giants fans. Um, Od- sure. Odell Beckham. There you go. Okay, yeah, this one I'm on board with 100%. The highlights are better than everybody else's highlights. The the impact the body he has on work. the game is yeah, meh. Just kind of oh, doesn't I matter. I agree 100%. And he's less of an a-hole than Odo Beckham. Like, I mean, he's not so, the kind of so guy. So is the majority of the league, but yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. But he's not the kind of guy that you're that you're having to count his touches for fear that he's going to divide the locker room if he doesn't you know, catch more than three balls or whatever. But, um, but yeah, you're right, man. You're, you're so right. That's a very good comp in terms of the reality, not matching up with, you know, the, the magnitude of the highlights. And I, I will give Barkley a, 
a I will give him a longer leash on this for a couple reasons. One, uh, no offseason, new head coach, yeah. new yep. new offensive new system, system new everything. rookie yeah. quarterback last year. like New left tackle. Yeah, the fairly new offensive line across the board. Not a ton of other weapons on that offense, although they looked a little better than I expected. Uh, yeah. And, and so I look at that and I go, okay, maybe by week three he's kind of like – I I am I am the fuel for this engine. Like Daniel Jones hands me the ball or throws me the ball, but but I'm the guy who makes the plays. And right. he's he has I've never heard a negative thing about him in terms of work ethic, in terms of anything. So it oh, seems no, like totally. the, the pieces are yeah. there for him to to put it together and have like a two or three year run of just running back dominance. Yeah, it could be, you know, and and Ezekiel Elliott had the the luxury of playing behind one of the league's best offensive line since day one so yeah, it's he's almost n- he's never impressed me like he's good but i look at yeah. him and i'm like he's the kind of good that half the running backs in the league could be in at, in that position like if barkley well yeah you wonder line, if, he'd be better right you wonder if you put chris carson into the the dallas cowboys if he would if he would grab yeah. ezekiel elliott's numbers you know what i mean and i guess we'll never know and 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 that was always Interestingly, that was always the argument with Emmett Smith was just that he played behind a, a legendary Hall of Fame level offensive line and he just got what was blocked and he was tough and gritty and yeah. everything else. But but yeah, his his attributes, you, you don't put on an Emmett Smith game and just have your jaw hit the floor at what he's doing like you did with Walter Payton or even like prime Adrian Peterson, where right. he's just running people over, running angry, running with like pop and acceleration and all the stuff that he brought to the table. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Saquon's career goes because there are like the PFF pound the table, never draft a running back guys. They're very loud when they talk about Saquon Barkley. And I I think I'm not one of those guys. Like if you believe that that player is the best player, then draft him. But you know, at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know if he, I'll, I'll I'll do another comp of a guy who I think is different, but whose career will end up being way better than Saquon's. Edger and James. So it was a different era in the league, but that was the year where they could have either had, they basically could have had Edger and James or Ricky Williams, and they took Edger and James. Um, not a not an astonishingly good offensive line, I would say, competent. You know, they had Jeff Saturday yeah. at center. They had. You know, late career Tarek Glenn at left tackle, who was, you know, in the upper third of the league. Otherwise, there wasn't a lot to recommend that offensive line. And he puts together just this stunner of a career in which he's an every down back. He's a factor in the passing game. Um, a really underrated runner. You know, Edron yeah. James was, a, I, I his remember tape is really impressive. One of the coolest stats about Edron James, and I'm not going to get it exactly right because it's pulling off the top of my head, but he led the league for like eight straight years in runs between eight and 15 yards. Totally dude, which is a great run. Yeah. Right. Like, and so he, he was never the 50 yard breakaway guy. He just, he wasn't, right. but he was the smoothest at like sliding between blocks, bouncing totally. off one guy and getting, and turning a four yard carry into an eight yard carry or an eight yard carry into a 12 totally. yard carry. And it was, I, I thought that stat was so great. Cause I was like, yeah, I would love to have a running back who could, bust it for 50 yards at any given time but i would really love to have a guy who eight times a game goes for nine yards <laughs> oh absolutely and and all those wide zone plays that they ran 
which were really the cornerstone of their offense because Peyton Manning would would play action off of them. Like he never lost yardage. Yeah, you know. Whereas Saquon, you're getting so many negative plays and so many kind of zero plays, and you're you're kind of like holding your breath, waiting for for the highlight. You know, in uh, Monday night it never came. You know, he finished with like 17 carries for six yards, yeah. and you know, occasionally on a on a very 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 rare basis, Barry Sanders would have a similar stat line where like the home run just never came. Um, but, but it was more the exception than the, yeah. And, with him. and Peterson would have some of those games too. It, it was really this bad, but you would see like some of those 13 carries, 19 yards kind of games. Yeah. You know, yeah. Where, and where usually, they just couldn't get him going. That's the other thing is usually when you're playing from behind, it's a little harder, but I would like to make one comment in Saquon's favor. And that is, I'm sure. just looking at his rookie year stat line. So last year he was injured some, and they had a rookie quarterback. But his rookie year, he rushed 261 times for 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's a very good wow. year. Oh, yeah. However, he also caught 91 passes for 720 wow. yards and four touchdowns. Wow. So he he led the league in yards from scrimmage as a rookie. And that was with Eli yeah. friggin' Manning as quarterback. Yeah, that was with... You know, probably the most garbage iteration of a roster that he's played with. You know, yes. was Odell still there then? I think so. I don't remember. I think that because okay. I think he last last year was Odell's first year with the Browns. So, but I think yeah. he was. So Odell was there. They had like Sterling Shepard, who has always been the like he's the next great slot guy coming up for him, and he's right, right, never right. done anything. So yeah. I mean, as a rookie, he. He he had 120 targets as a rookie, which tells you just how bad that team was. If you're running back, it's 120 targets. It means your passing game stinks. But yeah. uh, those are impressive stats. Last year in only 13 games, he uh, he had just over a thousand yards and 400 yards receiving on 50 receptions. If you put if you put that, uh, so if you put that at up to 16 games, that's just over 1,200 yards, and then just over like between five and 600 yards receiving. So like 17 yeah. to 1900 yards total. So, I mean, he's yeah, a great year. I, I think the thing that we're seeing in the NFL that makes it hard to gauge this is great running backs are rarely the driving force of a winning team. Yeah. Anymore. That's true. Right. You know, when we were growing up, that wasn't the case, but like today you're right. You know? Yeah. I mean, right. and, and, and it's, in the same way that we don't talk about inside linebackers anymore, right? I mean, we we never do. Well, those those two things um, go hand the game in hand. Different. When yeah. when the game right. was built around run the ball 70 percent of the time, the middle linebacker was the key player to stop the opposing offense. Yeah, you had to have a Brian Urlacher to to keep up with an Adrian Peterson. You know, yeah, like Mike uh, Mike Singletary wouldn't even have a place to play in the league today, and he was one of the best players of his generation, or one of the best defenders. Actually, disagree. I think he would, he would be an interesting fit in today's league because he's kind of that like two hundred and twenty pound play all over the field guy that that you're seeing more of. You know, he's a little bit of a That's true. Was he fast? I'm trying enough? to think of a comp for him. He was pretty fast, man. I mean, I don't have like data on it, but but just watching him roam from like sideline to sideline, making plays in pursuit, he was a he was a pretty speedy guy. Um, yeah, maybe like a. Oh, who was the rookie? The rookie that came out of Michigan a year ago. I think he ended up in like maybe with the Steelers. Um, Devin Bush. Yeah, 
Yeah, Devin Bush. Yeah, he might he might have been a like a his era Devin Bush kind okay. of kind of a guy. Yeah, I mean the the undersized sideline to sideline linebacker is a real thing. I mean, Keekley was kind of yeah. like that. He you know he was in the two thirty two thirty five. Yeah, two twenty two thirty. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So staying in that division, Piper. Um, more week one overreaction, hot take type things. At, are the Eagles done? I the Eagles are never done. Yeah, and that's true. They, they're not. They have had the worst health luck of any team in the NFL, I think. You know, every time they go out and try to strengthen a position, they then lose four guys at that position. Like, all of their good offensive linemen this year. Uh, All of, you know, wide receivers, et cetera. But, like, they're they're a well-coached team for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like they're going to end up going 8-8. and to 10 and six, like it's going to happen. Yeah. Because that's true. Assuming Carson Wentz doesn't die. uh, He's a good quarterback. And honestly, if he had weapons and a healthy offensive line, I think we would look at him and go, he's a top 10 quarterback right now. He's kind of middle tier because we don't really know what he is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think things level off in that division and the, the, the cream will rise to the top a little bit. Um, Washington football team, Piper, is first of all, is the concept of that with Ron Rivera, with like the Dwayne Haskins experiment, is any of that interesting to you at all? Did you find yourself like flipping over to the Washington football team's game and being intrigued by it? Because no. I was a little intrigued. I mean, I, I'm i intrigued because it's an NFL game. I think we discussed on a previous football podcast how they may in fact be the most boring team in football. Um, yeah. Like there are bad teams that are more interesting than they are because they're bad. Like the Jets. The Jets yeah. are a terrible team, but they have Sam Darnold uh, and they have a coach who is so bad he's interesting. Yeah. You kind of just want to see what they come up with from week to week. There is absolutely nothing intriguing about the Washington <laughs> team except that they don't have a name. Yeah. that That is so interesting and bizarre to me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a collector of like – football oddity and like I'm I'm interested in the Washington football team thing just because it's such a like if you wrote it in a satirical novel about pro football it would it would land as a joke you know what I mean yes. like we we got rid of our mascot we didn't do a total rebrand we're just kind of like putting a beige placeholder there for an indefinite period of time it's it's all hilarious to me and I kind of I kind of am into it um you know what what okay. I wish what I wish that team would do right now given the way that it's built they they could exactly. be an interesting team if yeah. cuz cuz their defense is like one or two players away from being a top 5 to 10 yeah. defense. Their defensive line yeah. is disgusting. It's so oh, good. It really is, dude. Yeah. If if they would just do the thing like the Seattle way, where it's like we're going to build an offense that can make a couple plays, and they've got Terry McLaurin. I don't know if Haskins is good, but let's assume he can he can be decent. And yeah. then, I don't know, committee at running back. It's just like a moderate offense and a filthy defense. Like All of a sudden, they could win that division because there's nobody else good yeah. in that division. I think the Cowboys are never as good as people expect them to be. Uh, yeah. I think the Eagles are injured, and I think the Giants are bad. So... Like they yeah. they could they could be in competition for that division or for a wild card spot with just that, which would as fun storylines go in the NFL that would be a really great one for this year. Yeah, like as much of a dumpster fire as 2020 has been, 
like if Ronda Rivera with cancer goes into the most toxic and horrific organization in the NFL and like takes it to the playoffs, that would be incredible. Like I would be, I would be here for that storyline all day long. Um, it'd be a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm kind of, kind of hoping it happens. Also another, another fun, like byproduct of that storyline would be Dallas, like compiling an all-star team on offense and spending like a hundred trillion dollars on it and still going eight and eight Here's, and missing the playoffs. All right. So following in the theme of, are they good? Is Dak Prescott yeah. good? Well, see, I don't know. You know, I, I really don't know. That feels like, oh, okay. Here's what it feels like to me. And this one's going to hit close to home and we'll get to your team in a minute, but it feels like another, like we have to have a quarterback once the quarterback reaches a certain level of like vestedness in the league, we have to pay him a certain amount of money. And what's more, we have to convince our fan base that we're that we're moving forward at that position or we're doing something decisive. So I think they kind of talked themselves into Dak Prescott being great in the same way that you guys talked yourselves into Kirk Cousins being great. I hate but that the you just said is, you guys as if I had any Not you part guys, of that not decision. like no 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 no. Yeah, no, not that you had anything to do with that decision at all, but the Vikings in general. I loudly uh, I cast knew- my vote in favor of re-signing Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm going to die on that hill over and over Dude, and over I would again. die on that hill. And I, I actually think this year is going to bear it out. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a better year than Kirk Cousins if you look at the football and not the numbers. Because, I mean, week one for Cousins was like emblematic of him in that the game is a disaster. You know, he tacks on like... 115 yards of meaningless like garbage time yes. yardage and then you look at his stat line and you're like oh he wasn't that bad but you know for three quarters the team was terrible yeah my anyway my friend my friend vince who works here at the church with me he grew up in iowa he's a vikings fan he texted me right at the end of that the vikings packers game or maybe it was right after and he said and he's been a kirk cousins defender uh he and i have yeah. have arguments about this but he said sure. kirk cousins is the best garbage time quarterback in the NFL. And I was like, that oh, unbelievable. That pretty yeah. much sums him up. If you're if you are down three touchdowns, you can guarantee he's gonna make seven or eight amazing throws. Dude, it's an interesting, like bizarro world turn on the whole like, yeah, I really want I really want Joe Montana in the fourth quarter. You know, I really want Tom Brady. And you you could make the argument, I really want Kirk Cousins in the fourth quarter. Only if you're only if you're down by more than fourteen points. If you're down by more than fourteen points and you have no chance of winning, like He's going to cut it to within six. You're not going to win ever, but he's going to throw for like a, a buck 15 yeah, and two the, scores the when playoff, it absolutely doesn't matter. The playoff win against the Saints was like the one time in his career where he did impressive yeah. things in the fourth quarter. You know, big throws to Adam Thielen, big throw to um, Kyle Rudolph for the touchdown. And and that was it. I think he just used up all of his all of his good fourth quarter magic. Yeah, I'm with you. And and I think that's where I'm at on Dak Prescott. Like yeah, you can look at the stats, you can look at the the attributes, the physicality and and I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, right? To me, he's he's kind of on that Carson Wentz level. And they're really kind of similar when Wentz is healthy. Like he can hurt you on the ground, you know, he's big, he's physical, he's hard to sack when he's healthy. You know, he can do some things in the passing game, but like at the end of the day, I don't think you're planting your flag on the hill of like Carson Wentz is a great, great quarterback. Um, not in the same way that, um, you know, the, the the Russell Wilsons of the world or the Aaron Rodgers even, which interesting week out of him, by the way. Um, yep. 
you know, you 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 could very easily plant your flag on those hills and and go, this is a great quarterback, you know. Uh fight me. Yeah. And and you wouldn't sound stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like the the Dak is the kind of quarterback who if you know, you put him on the Jaguars, he's not going to be very good. You put him on the Cowboys with a lot of talent and not very good coaching, and he's he's good, like solid. Yeah. If yeah. he wasn't played for Kyle Shanahan, he might be a top eight quarterback. You know, like Dude, there's okay. So that's a that's a great one. If you put him on the Niners, the Niners are better. Oh, for sure. Like, but he's if you way put him on the Jaguars, if you put him on the Jags, the Jags are actually worse. Like Dak would be a better like tanking, you know, piece than Gardner Minshew because Minshew's just so. Doggone! Like I'm gonna will this to happen. Like he's kind of that guy. Like the Jags are gonna win six or seven games and like screw up their tank. Um, <laughs> whereas I think <laughs> Dak Prescott on the Jags, he would lose interest. Like they they'd win two or three games, you know. Whereas if you put them on the Niners, like they're borderline a Super Bowl contender again, um, and they're better than they are with Jimmy G. I don't know. It's just it's a it's a fascinating. And it goes to your point about different players in different situations yeah. and how do their careers go, you know. That that being said, uh, if if he signed a big contract, I would still trade him straight up for Kirk Cousins. Like, he's better than Kirk. Totally. And so even though totally, they're kind dude. of in that same yeah. place in their career, because I feel like Dak has room to get better where, yeah. you know, in, in the right kind of offense that uses his mobility well, that, you know, that kind of puts him in a little bit more – the makes the right – calls on him for playmaking he could yeah. uh he could do some really impressive things uh yeah and i don't think i think we know exactly like last year was Kirk cousins best year of his career and i yeah. don't think he'll ever match it yeah yeah no you're right you you know exactly what you have in him and there's still some like there's some interesting like storyline upside with dak prescott in the right situation um yeah totally totally um Piper, last point from the Giants game, but it's really more of a broad point about the league in general. I thought, and I, I haven't watched all of them. I didn't see Mekhi Becton because I didn't watch the Jets. But I think almost all the rookie tackles played really well. Um, Andrew Thomas for the Giants played well to me. Tristan Wirfs was really good for Tampa. Um, Jedrick Wills last night. Um, mm -hmm. We're recording this on a Friday morning. He played against the Bengals last night and looked good. I've really been impressed with the rookie tackles, and uh, they've been a lot of fun for me to watch. Um, I think the rookies in general were pleasantly surprising in a season where you had no preseason and really no training camp. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? I mean, obviously, I haven't had a chance to watch them all in depth, but uh, yeah, it is. it was an impressive tackle class, and if they live up mm -hmm. to it, the league is better for it. Bad, yeah. bad offensive lines make football hard to watch. Yeah, it just they true. they ruin the whole game. It's like a car race where the car just keeps breaking down. Basically, they're they're kind of the <laughs> engine of the whole thing. So yeah. if uh, if if they if they reach their potential or just like their if they live up to their draft status, it's going to be a mm -hmm. lot of fun. Makai Becton is the one who I want to be amazing awesome. for two reasons. Yeah. One yeah. because I I inordinately like. Um, Sam Darnold and want him to succeed. And yeah, so do I. And so Becton being on that team would be a big part of it. And also because mm -hmm. I just, I miss the, the 
oversized monster of a tackle who's freakishly athletic. We just don't have any of those in the yeah. league right now who just yeah where you where you get offensive tackle highlights. Dude, like a Jonathan Ogden. Yes. Yeah, I feel like seven or eight times a season, he was good for just like a wipeout. And, or he would just ragdoll some guy with one arm, and you were just in awe of what he could do. So, yeah, it would, it would be nice if Becton could deliver there was, that. Can I, can I ask you? Go ahead. I was gonna, there was one highlight from Sunday. I think it was Trent, uh, Trent Williams, uh, who's not a, Dude, young, I saw it. not a young tackle, where he, he gets yeah. a free release off the line and just blows oh up the, I think it was a, probably like a nickel linebacker, maybe a safety. Yeah. And just, he just sent the guy into the next life. And I just watched totally. it on loop for about three straight minutes, just <laughs> giggling because it Dude, was Dude, I sent so it fun. to all the offensive linemen that I coach. Yes. I was like, you guys watch this. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was great, man. Can I, can I ask why you like Sam Darnold so much? Because I do too. And I can't, I can't even like really quantify why that is, but I, I, I have the same feelings. I want to hear from you on that. Um, Okay. So we had this conversation about Lamar Jackson as well when he came in. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we were comparing like Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and uh, uh-huh. who else? <clears throat> I don't remember. A couple other guys. And n- none, neither of us like the, the, the quarterback camp guys. Right, right. You right. know, the, the Elite 11 guys, the quarterback camp guys. We like the, the gritty working class guys who have talent who showed out in college but weren't like they're not cut from a mold like Lamar Jackson plays football in a way that you're not really supposed to but it works really well and Sam Darnold had some of that plus when he was in high school he I think he was like their strong safety and I love a quarterback who's also the captain of the defense like that's just yeah that's not a thing you see very often and right he he the the idea of like quarterbacks specializing early on and being pampered and being elite mm-hmm. coached just makes me like them less. Yeah. Whereas the guy yeah. who's like I we had forty four people on our high school team, so yeah, I played linebacker and quarterback, and mm-hmm. uh, I switched from wide receiver because uh, and then started playing quarterback because the other quarterback blew out his shoulder or whatever. There's just a sort yeah. of like this guy has what it takes to kind of overcome adversity to play tough to figure it out he i know he's from southern california but i would have guessed he was from like pittsburgh you know kind of <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> has totally. that mentality so yeah i think mm-hmm. it's that yeah no i agree and i remember some early early career usc darnold games where i was just kind of in awe of the way that he took it over you know and yeah he made he made mistakes and i usually don't like quarterbacks that turn the ball over but He's the exception in this case in that, you know, I'm willing to overlook some of that stuff uh, because the upside is so intriguing. Um, I really hope he doesn't become one of those guys that just languishes in an awful organization for the balance of his career. You know, I, I think a great scenario would be Darnold hits free agency, you know, somebody with some vision for what he could be rolls the dice on him and he ends up in a good organization with a good coach and gets to have like a really stellar second act. Yeah. That's so good that you were, that you kind of forget the first act. Yeah. The, and, the best case scenario for him right now, I think is that, so they got a new GM like mm-hmm. right around the time of the draft. Um, yeah. Maybe just after the draft. I can't remember. It was a really weird situation. It was weirdly timed. Yeah. I remember that too. Ba- yeah. Badly timed, but at least, but their draft mm-hmm. wasn't bad. Like they made some good picks. Yeah. Um, 
if if that GM, so he made the Jamal Adams trade, picked up two or three first round picks. So yeah. a good start towards restocking the talent pool affordably there. Yeah. Um, sure. If he fires Adam Gase, gets permission yep. from the owner to do that, and brings in a yeah. coach who either like a Ron Rivera-ish like steady hand coach mm-hmm. or a um, or like a hotshot offensive coordinator coach. So yeah. Lincoln Riley or somebody like that. Right, right, right. Either of those is going to be good for him. He needs either somebody who's like, we are going to use every ounce of your talent, or a guy who's like, we're just going to write this ship. It's going to yeah. be steady. And, I mean, that's what the Jets need anyway, because they've just been a disaster for, like, since Chad Pennington. Um, yeah. And, and really, yeah. I think, I think, but Gase has to go. He's just, yeah. he's not good at coaching football, nor is he good at coaching humans. Yeah. Yeah, there there seems to be a, a total disconnect there, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm reminded of somebody like Steve Young who had extraordinary off the charts like physical ability. Um, went to Tampa, they were generationally bad. Went to the USFL, that was a disaster. So yeah, like six, seven years deep into Steve Young's career, you're like, this might just be a wasted guy, and then all of a sudden. Lands in San Francisco. He's got Bill Walsh. The rest is history. You know, now he's in the Hall of Fame. So not that that's going to happen with Darnold, but it would be nice to see talent not wasted. And um, I think that's, yeah, that's where I'm at on it. But Piper, my time is up, man. I've got to put on my my welding helmet here and go teach college. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I've got, to, I've got to hop here. But this was fun, man. Uh, here's to more of this throughout the season. Um, there were a lot of, a lot of topics we didn't even get to, but I'm sure we'll, we'll get there in, in subsequent weeks and, uh, congrats on the fantasy win. Hopefully our, our teams can be near the top this season again. And, um, yeah, so we've, we've done what we always do on this program, Piper, in that we've wandered to and fro throughout some sports topics. And until next time, Makai Becton. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.